Section 13 of The Quintessence of Ibsenism by George Bernard Shaw. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wendy Almeida. The Quintessence of Ibsenism. Section 13. Rosmersholm. Ibsen did not in The Wild Duck exhaust the subject of the danger of forming ideals for other people and interfering in their lives with a view to enabling them to realize those ideals. Cases far more typical than that of the meddlesome lodger are those of the priest who regards the ennobling of mankind as a sort of trade process of which his cloth gives him a monopoly, and the clever woman who pictures a noble career for the man she loves and devotes herself to helping him to achieve it. In Rosmersholm, the play with which Ibsen followed up The Wild Duck, there is an unpractical country parson, a gentleman of ancient stock whose family has been for many years a center of social influence. The tradition of that influence reinforces his priestly tendency to regard the ennoblement of the world as an external operation to be performed by himself. And the need of such ennoblement is very evident to him, for his nature is a fine one. He looks at the world with some dim prevision of the Third Empire. He is married to a woman of passionately affectionate nature, who is very fond of him, but does not regard him as a regenerator of the human race. Indeed, she does not share any of his dreams, and only acts as an extinguisher on the sacred fire of his idealism. He, she, her brother Kroll, the headmaster, Kroll's wife, and their set form a select circle of the best people in the place, comfortably orbited in the social system, and quite planetary in ascertained position and unimpeachable respectability. Into the orbit comes presently a wandering star, one Rebecca Gamvik, an unpropertied orphan who has been allowed to read advanced books and is a free thinker and a radical. All things that disqualify a poor woman for admission to the Rosmer world. However, one must live somewhere, and as the Rosmer world is the only one in which an ambitious and cultivated woman can find powerful allies and educated companions, Rebecca, being both ambitious and cultivated, makes herself agreeable to the Rosmer circle with such success that the affectionate and impulsive but unintelligent Mrs. Rosmer becomes wildly fond of her and is not content until she has persuaded her to come and live with them. Rebecca, then a mere adventuress fighting for a foothold in polite society, which has hitherto shown itself highly indignant at her thrusting herself in where nobody has thought of providing room for her, accepts the offer all the more readily because she has taken the measure of Parson Rosmer and formed the idea of playing upon his aspirations and making herself a leader in politics and society by using him as a figurehead. But now two difficulties arise. First, there is Mrs. Rosmer's extinguishing effect on her husband, 
an effect which convinces rebecca that nothing can be done with him whilst his wife is in the way second a contingency quite unallowed for in her provident calculations she finds herself passionately enamoured of him the poor parson too falls in love with her but he does not know it he turns to the woman who understands him like a sunflower to the sun and makes her his real friend and companion the wife feels this soon enough and he quite unconscious of it begins to think that her mind must be affected since she has become so intensely miserable and hysterical about nothing nothing that he can see the truth is that she has come under the curse of the ideal too she sees herself standing a useless obstacle between her husband and the woman he really loves the woman who can help him to a glorious career she cannot even be the mother in the household for she is childless then comes rebecca fortified with a finely reasoned theory that rosmer's future is staked against his wife's life and says that it is better for all their sakes that she should quit rosmer's home she even hints that she must go at once if a grave scandal is to be avoided mrs rosmer regarding a scandal in rosmer's home as the most terrible thing that can happen and seeing that it could be averted by the marriage of rebecca and rosmer if she were out of the way writes a letter secretly to rosmer's bitterest enemy the editor of the local radical paper a man who has forfeited his moral reputation by an intrigue which rosmer has piteously denounced in this letter she implores him not to believe or publish any stories that he may hear about rosmer to the effect that he is in any way to blame for anything that may happen to her then she sets rosmer free to marry rebecca and to realize his ideals by going out into the garden and throwing herself into the mill stream that runs there now follows a period of quiet mourning at rosmer's home everybody except rosmer suspects that mrs rosmer was not mad and guesses why she committed suicide only it would not do to compromise the aristocratic party by treating rosmer as the radical editor was treated so the neighbors shut their eyes and condole with the bereaved clergyman and the radical editor holds his tongue because radicalism is getting respectable and he hopes with rebecca's help to get rosmer over to his side presently meanwhile the unexpected has again happened to rebecca her passion is worn out but in the long days of mourning she has found the higher love and it is now for rosmer's own sake that she urges him to become a man of action and brood no more over the dead when his friends start a conservative paper and ask him to become editor she induces him to reply by declaring himself a radical and free thinker to his utter amazement the result is not an animated discussion of his views but just such an attack on his home life and private conduct as he had formerly made on those of the radical editor his friends tell him plainly that the compact of silence is broken by his defection and that there will be no mercy for the traitor to the party 
even the radical editor not only refuses to publish the fact that his new ally is a free thinker which would destroy all his social weight as a radical recruit but brings up the dead woman's letter as a proof that the attack is sufficiently well founded to make it unwise to go too far rosmer who at first had been simply shocked that men whom he had always honoured as gentlemen should descend to such hideous calumny now sees that he really did love rebecca and is indeed guilty of his wife's death his first impulse is to shake off the spectre of the dead woman by marrying rebecca but she knowing that the guilt is hers puts that temptation behind her and refuses then as he thinks it all over his dream of ennobling the world slips away from him such work can only be done by a man conscious of his own innocence to save him from despair rebecca makes a great sacrifice she gives him back his innocence by confessing how she drove his wife to kill herself and as the confession is made in the presence of kroll she ascribes the whole plot to her ambition and says not a word of her passion rosmer confounded as he realizes what helpless puppets they have all been in the hands of this clever woman for the moment misses the point that unscrupulous ambition though it explains her crime does not account for her confession he turns his back on her and leaves the house with kroll she quietly packs up her trunk and is about to vanish from rosmer's home without another word when he comes back alone to ask why she confessed she tells him why offering him her self-sacrifice as a proof that his power of ennobling others was no vain dream since it is his companionship that has changed her from the selfish adventuress she was to the devoted woman she has just proved herself to be but he has lost his faith in himself and cannot believe her the proof is too subtle too artful he cannot forget that she duped him by flattering this very weakness of his before besides he knows now that it is not true that people are not ennobled from without she has no more to say for she can think of no further proof but he has thought of an unanswerable one dare she make all doubt impossible by doing for his sake what the wife did she asks what would happen if she had the heart and the will to do it then he replies i should have to believe in you i should recover my faith in my mission faith in my power to ennoble human souls faith in the human soul's power to attain nobility you shall have your faith again she answers at this pass the inner truth of the situation comes out and the thin veil of a demand for proof with its monstrous sequel of asking the woman to kill herself in order to restore the man's good opinion of himself falls away what has really seized rosmer is the old fatal ideal of expiation by sacrifice he sees that when rebecca goes into the mill stream he must go too and he speaks his real mind in the words there is no judge over us therefore 
we must do justice upon ourselves but the woman's soul is free of this to the end for when she says i am under the power of the rosmersholm view of life now what i have sinned it is fit i should expiate we feel in that speech a protest against the rosmersholm view of life the view that denied her right to live and be happy from the first and now at the end even in denying its god exacts her life as a vain blood offering for its own blindness the woman has the higher light she goes to her death out of fellowship with the man who is driven thither by the superstition which has destroyed his will the story ends with his taking her solemnly as his wife and casting himself with her into the mill-stream. It is unnecessary to repeat here what is said on page 36 as to the vital part played in this drama by the evolution of the lower into the higher love. Pierre Gint, during the prophetic episode in his career, shocks the dancing girl in Nitra into a remonstrance by comparing himself to a cat. He replies with his wisest air that from the standpoint of love there is perhaps not so much difference between a tomcat and a prophet as she may imagine. The number of critics who have entirely missed the point of Rebecca's transfiguration seems to indicate that the majority of men, even among critics of dramatic poetry, have not got beyond Pierre Gint's opinion in this matter. No doubt they would not endorse it as a definitely stated proposition, aware, as they are, that there is a poetic convention to the contrary. But if they fail to recognize the only possible alternative proposition, when it is not only stated in so many words by Rebecca West, but when without it her conduct dramatically contradicts her character, when they even complain of the contradiction as a blemish on the play i am afraid there can be no further doubt that the extreme perplexity into which the first performance of rosmersholm in england plunged the press was due entirely to the prevalence of pierre gint's view of love among the dramatic critics End of section thirteen.